exciting to hear stories of how God works in such marvelous ways and in such personal ways and in ways that we can't even figure out. And as I talk with you today and share some stories, I hope that it will bring your heart some hope, some understanding, some maybe some new ideas of ways to pray with people. Um, Caring for the Heart is a wonderful name for this ministry because that is what it's all about, caring for the hearts of people. And there's just so many ways to care for the heart of people. No. So we're good. (laughs) Just taking time to be with people, just being interested in what's going on in their lives, um, just listening to them, sympathizing with them, validating their pain, um, comforting a person. It's amazing to me how many people I've come across over the years talking with hundreds and hundreds of people that have never been comforted in life. Just hugging a person, um, even a touch to say, I'm sorry you're going through this. Um, Accepting them right where they're at without any judgment. Giving them a safe place to be real, to take off the masks that they're wearing. Just pointing them to Jesus and taking them to Jesus. I want to tell you a story today about a woman, um, a friend of mine. She told me that I can tell her story anytime um, if it would bring glory to the Lord and if it would help someone else. And so I've named her Georgia. I met her a few years ago. I haven't seen her for many years since this time. But the moment that we met, our hearts connected. And as she shared her life with me, I saw a woman that was just sold out for God. A woman who poured her life out in ministry not only to her family, but to others all around her. And she told me that sometimes she tried to share her fears and her anxieties and her doubts with a few other Christian women along the way. But she said, no one ever seemed to understand my heart. She, She said, usually, if I shared, in the end, I'd feel worse because they might tell her how she should be acting Or they might even pray for her in a way that preached a sermon to her heart. And when she was finished in that group, she wanted to run away. And she would say inside, I never want to share again. Because no one understands me. And so she just stuffed it all inside. So many feelings, so much pain. She shared a part of a letter that she wrote to the Lord. And I want you to hear her exact words. So... As I share this story, you're going to see her pain and how we've prayed, and hopefully you'll get an insight and understanding into this person. She says, Lord, I've diligently repented of the many sins I've been aware of. I've endeavored to walk in the way of forgiveness for the offenses of life. I've earnestly told myself the truth from your word about my identity in you, Lord. And yes, it's had an impact, but it could only settle around my heart. Sometimes it would trickle into open cracks and I would taste of what my heart was so desperately longing for, loving intimacy with you and others. But Lord, my hunger is so great and I'm unable to receive all that you so richly offer. And so we spent time together. I listened. I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to understand her. And so she shared parts of her childhood and her growing up years. And it was hard and it was painful. She felt abandoned and disowned and alone. She felt neglected and ignored and rejected. 
She felt disrespected and betrayed and many other pain words as well. She was only two years old when mom and dad separated and she and her sister were put into a children's home for a time. The day that her dad came to rescue her sister from that place and she was left behind, that's the day she locked her heart away. The fear in being alone and not chosen and not protected caused this little girl to believe a lie in her heart. And that lie was that she's unlovable. That lie was going to be confirmed over and over many times over the next few years. When she was three years old, her mother came to get her from the children's home. She had remarried, and she went home to live with her mom and her stepdad. And for all of her growing up years, she would live in fear and under the control and the emotional and verbal and sexual abuse of her stepdad. This cruel and harsh treatment she lived under confirmed that she was of no worth and of no value, and her heart got angry. And every heart wants to be loved, and she was no exception. And later, as a young adult, she went looking for love. She desperately wanted a relationship. She wanted someone to care about her. There was this desperate longing inside of her that someone might take care of her and love her. And so every time she would get into a relationship, she would think, maybe this person will care about me. Maybe this person will love me. Maybe this person will accept me. But in the end, every time she felt used and abused and trashed and discarded and all alone again. And then depression would set in and all the self-hatred and the shame and the guilt and of course that lie that I'm unlovable just kept going deeper and deeper into her heart. And she got more angry along with other lies about herself. And of course one of those lies was you can never trust a man. And so after many years of hurt and pain, Georgia becomes a Christian. She's excited. She finds Jesus as her Savior. It's a brand new start. It's a new turn in life. It's a new commitment, and she's so excited about it. It's good, and she just pours all of her life into that. And one day, God brings a Christian man into her life. He's a gentle Christian man. Now, they each had had a hard life of pain, and they'd pushed, both had pushed it way down deep, so they never had to talk about it, never had to go there, and they just pressed on to be all that God wanted them to be. It's a familiar, it's a familiar story for many people. But through their many years of marriage then, they both struggled to connect with one another. They didn't know how to connect emotionally. They were bo- both locked up in their own ways, and they were unable to open their hearts to each other. When he was kind to her, She could be mean to him. That doesn't sound very logical, does it? After all, that's what she's always wanted, is someone to be kind to her. But because of the lies in her heart, even though she didn't recognize them, didn't know how to put them into words, those lies kept her from being able to receive the little bit of kindness that he wanted to offer. She didn't think she deserved it. She didn't think she was worth it. And so her heart couldn't take it in. And so I listened, and I cared, and I validated her pain, and I assured her that there would be no judgment from me. I let her know that she could say anything she wanted, and then we would take it all to Jesus. At times she cried, she was overwhelmed, and sometimes in her distress and agony, I would just hold her 
We spent many, many hours together. And in the past, she'd always tried to take God's truth and put it over her pain. But we were going to do something different. We were going to take Jesus into her pain. Pain so deep that she'd never gone there before. But the Lord gave her grace to expose her true heart. He helped her to put words to the pain and the feelings and the fears. He allowed her to see how the sin of other people had damaged her life and how the lies had taken root inside, even as a little tiny girl. As I was leading her in prayer about many things, and she would follow me in prayer most of the time unless she was too overwhelmed, but I pray, Jesus, my heart has felt completely unlovable. That's what I think about myself, Lord. That's what I believe. What do you say, Jesus? Is that true? Or is that a lie? My heart believes. And Jesus told her heart that it was a lie. And we'd go on, Jesus, I don't want to believe this lie. I don't want to have it in my heart anymore. And all the effect and all the damage. I've carried it all through my life. I want to give it to you, Lord. Please take it from me and all the pain that goes with it. Give me words, Lord, that would describe the pain that that lie has caused in my heart. And the words just started flowing out of her. She felt abandoned and neglected and rejected and despised and discarded and left behind and all alone and on and on when all the words just coming out of her. And we gave that lie to Jesus and all the pain and we asked him to replace it with his truth. Sometimes in prayer we ask Jesus, would you show me what you're doing with my pain? It's amazing. Jesus is so personal Sometimes he puts it at the bottom of the sea or at the bottom of the lake or at the foot of the cross or to one person, he put it in a hot air balloon and it went up. They could never see it again. Somebody else got a big trash bag. Um, different people get different things. However, God speaks to their heart. And we always know whether or not you get a picture. You could always take your pain to the cross. But sometimes when it's real personal like that, then when something else comes along and you feel another little bit of pain or some other memory comes up, we can say, Jesus, can we take that memory? Can we take that pain? Can we put that at the bottom of the sea too? Can we put that in the depths of the ocean? And it gives them a practical place where Jesus wants to take their pain. And then he begins to tell her heart that she's special and that she's lovable and that he accepts her. And he tells her that he had intentions for her heart that are good. And he starts to put hope in her heart, hope for healing and restoration. And these times in prayer were really life-giving for Georgia. They were life-changing. And a few weeks later, she wrote this testimony. She said, like so many, I'd only known abuse of every sort and had the lies reinforced over and over again of how repulsive I must have really been to the Lord himself and to others. To have someone come and care about that pain and validate how destructive this life of trauma had been enabled me to meet with the loving Savior in all of my wretchedness and have the truth of the gospel transform my heart. She goes on to say, Thank you, Lord, that the cracks in that dry heart are giving way to a heart becoming soft and tender, able to soak up your love. Someone came to represent you, Lord, allowing my heart to receive truth. Looking upon my wretchedness and filthiness and caring about my shattered heart and exposing all the lies and reassuring me of your amazing love. Inviting you into that agonizing pain, so filled with shame, and asking you, Jesus, to cleanse and heal and bring hope 
And now that you've entered the dry and wasted places, restoring that shattered heart, I'm receiving truth, Lord, into the place that it belongs, right into my heart. She says, the picture I had of myself has gone from being completely covered in sewage, where Jesus was unable to look at such filth, to a very large diamond, so sparkling and full of light. The diamond itself is pretty, but the real value and significance is that the diamond has been fashioned and cut in the circumstances of life. That's taking her pain and Jesus using that for good in her life. That the diamond has been fashioned and cut in the circumstances of life and that Jesus the light has the opportunity to shine so brightly. Jesus, you are fulfilling my heart's desire to love you with all my heart and others also. I'm so grateful that you didn't leave me in all that filthiness imprisoned with lies. You've rescued my feet from the miry clay. I was crippled and crushed, and now I can walk. Now I can believe with all my heart that you love me. What an amazing story of God's grace and mercy and healing. You know, I could have told Georgia over and over, but Georgia, you're a wonderful woman of God. Look at all the things that you do for other people and how you pour yourself out to to your family. I could have told her over and over. It couldn't go in her heart because of the lies that were in there. I just, she needed Jesus to speak to her heart. I just gave her that safe place. I let her say whatever she wanted. I let her take the masks off. I let her get real and open and honest. And then I helped her take it all to Jesus. That's really uh, what we do. And that's the essence of this ministry. Sometimes someone may come to you and they, they ask you to pray for them and they know exactly what they want you to pray for. Um, they know how they're feeling. They know even what to say to you. But there's other times when people are too scared and they're too shut down. You have to build a bridge to their heart to even get them to trust you so that you can begin to minister to their heart. For somebody to just talk about their pain day in and day out, uh, week after week, month after month, um, and never pray about anything just causes that hurt to go deeper and deeper in their heart and the bitterness to become more bitter. Talking gets it out for a few minutes, but unless you take it to Jesus, unless you pray, uh, it just cements it in. They talk about it. They feel better for a little while. But it doesn't go away. Jesus is the only one that can heal the heart. And I'm the first one to say that I don't have the answers. In fact, that's the only reason that I can stand before you today is knowing that I don't have to, to have the answers to what people talk to me about. I just have to know who the answer is, and that is Jesus. And <clears throat> that has brought me a freedom to be able to pray with people, knowing that I don't have to be thinking in my mind what the answer is. Um, before I start praying with someone, I like to bind the enemy. And I like to pray that he can't have any influence in this room, that he can't have any voice in their ear, that he's rendered powerless so that he can't rob or steal or destroy from them. And I have found, um, as I've done that, that's given me confidence and that's also given them confidence that when they do hear, they can hear from God. And, you know, we can decide that we think we know what someone needs and we're just sure if they would do this or as we pray that God's going to show them this. But you know what? Jesus is the one who knows the heart. And um, 
several years ago, I was leading a lady in prayer, and, and we just had started, and I had said, she was following me, and I said, Jesus, I just want to talk to you today. I just want to open up my heart to you. Would you have some time for me? And right there, we hadn't done anything. Her head went on the table. She started bawling. And I had hit her pain so deep. And um, as she was crying, she said, no one's ever had time for me. That was one of the deep issues of her heart, that someone would have time for her. And so we asked Jesus if he would have time for her. And he told her, have all the time you need. Come and sit with me. And let's talk about the things that are inside your heart. There are times when a person can't follow you in prayer. Maybe they're in so much pain. Maybe they're, they can't stop crying. Maybe they're too overwhelmed. Maybe they're too discouraged. Maybe they're too shut down. Uh, whatever the reason is, we use a term called a we prayer. And you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can simply ask a person, can I pray for you? Or you could be that person in prayer, whichever is more comfortable for you. Um, you've been listening, if you've been listening to their story, you know some things about them, and you can take those things to Jesus for them. Um, It could sound something like this. If I've heard somebody talking about their pain, I could say, Jesus, do you see how Sally's hurting today? She's feeling so rejected and so unloved. The father of her baby doesn't care about her. She cries all the time, Lord. Jesus, do you care about Sally? Would you comfort her? Lord, this pain is too heavy for her. Could she give it to you? Her heart is so wounded and so full of agony. Jesus, would you like it if Sally could learn to talk to you every day about the pain inside? Would you give her a picture of you and her together somewhere safe where she could just talk to you about all the things inside? Would you begin to show Sally how much you love her? Another way we might pray a we prayer is to just simply pray like you are that person. Um, As I heard a lady's story and uh, I asked her if she would follow me and she said yes. And as I opened my mouth and said, dear Lord Jesus, she just said, I just can't. I just don't. I just can't. Just don't make me pray. Don't make me pray out loud. And I said, okay, that's no problem. That's fine. I'll. How about if I be you? And I'd already heard her story and written some things down. And she said, fine. So I just began to pray like that. Um, Jesus, I just want to talk to you today. But I'm scared. Would you help me? Would you give me a picture of you and I together somewhere safe? And I'd pause. And I'd give her a chance to respond. Sometimes when someone can't respond and nothing, they can't, nothing comes out of them, I might ask questions like, what's Jesus showing you? What's going on inside? What's coming to your mind? Sometimes they just need to stop and talk a little bit. That's okay too. I tell them there's no rules. There's no right and wrong. I say this is not a test. You cannot fail in here. It doesn't matter what you say. I just want to accept you and let's just talk if we need to and then we'll pray again. There are still times when someone can't follow, they can't respond, they can't do anything, and you have to do it all. I was praying uh, through some issues with a woman that came to see me one day, and we'd been to many places in prayer, and she was following me, and Jesus was showing up, and he was uh, 
giving her lots of answers and comfort and in the process um, of going to a deep issue, it, it got really hard and she got stuck and she couldn't go on. And she was a little girl hiding in the closet and she was stuck there. And she was afraid of her dad hiding, hiding there in the closet. And so she just said, I, I can't do it. I can't go any further. I'm stuck. I quit. And um, I just said, that's okay. And I assured her that was fine. And yet in my heart, I didn't want to leave her stuck. And I wasn't sure what to do. And so I just asked her, we just talked for a few minutes. I just asked her to just relax. And I said, you know, before you go today, would you mind if I just... If I just prayed a prayer for you before you go, and you just put your head back on the chair. You don't have to say anything. Just relax inside. She said, okay. So I began to pray. And I probably prayed about 10 minutes. And I started praying about all the good things that had happened that day. And I, something like, thank you, Jesus, for talking to my heart today. Thank you that you care about me. Thank you, Jesus, for my grandma. Thank you that I got to go see her all the time and she was such a safe place for me. Thank you that my grandma loved me so much. And I just went all the places that were good that we'd been to. And I never went to the closet and I never said anything about the closet because that's where her fear was. And I was just thanking Jesus for all he had done. And then I just said, Jesus, I'm stuck today. And I don't know how, where to go. But if there's something that you want to show me, whether it's today or maybe on, on another day, maybe in days to come, Lord, would you just give me the grace and the peace, Lord, to uh, go today and to uh, know that you'll show me whatever I need on whatever day that is. Thank you for loving me. I just said amen. And when she opened her eyes, it was amazing. She had this huge smile on her face. And she said, Jesus came and took my hand and took me out of the closet. I'd never said anything about the closet. But Jesus knew what she needed. And he knew how to come to her in a gentle way. And many times I think it's important that we can remember that everything doesn't happen, have to happen right now. And right when we're praying. This is a process. And I like to say, and Lord, in the days to come. Or as I walk this road with you. Or as I go along my journey. Because Jesus knows the time and the place when he's going to speak to them about something. And it's a process. And that also relieves the pressure off of them and the expectations that they might feel that they have to get this all solved today. Sometimes, though, we prayer works really good with a spouse. Sometimes when we can't receive something from our spouse because there's been conflict, because I'm down because they said something because I just can't receive it there's hurt and pain there it can go either way a husband could come toward his wife and he could put his arm around her and he could say Jesus would you tell her that I love her this happened one time with Gary and I and I couldn't hear anything he was saying and he took me in his arms and he said Jesus I only remember two things I had been overwhelmed all day we hadn't talked and I don't, I don't even know what all the issues were then many years ago. But he said two things. He said, Jesus, would you tell her that I love her? And Jesus, would you tell her that she's a treasure to me? And my heart just softened. And my heart 
it's like peace came into my heart and I could receive that. And there are times when things go on between spouses and you can't receive from that person. So go around them and be Jesus and say, Jesus, would you tell her that I love her? Would you tell her that I care? Or a wife could say, Jesus, my husband's hurting so much today. He's so shut down, Lord. Jesus, would you tell him I want to care about that? Would you tell him that I love him? All you're do- you can do that with your children. All you're doing is asking Jesus to tell them what you want to say. And then they can receive it from Jesus. Praying with people is the real heart of this ministry. And we all know that negative things that happen to us um, damage us and they hurt us. And our, way, our hearts and our emotions and our very identity gets damaged. But we've also learned that the things that we should have gotten, the good things that we didn't get, can hurt us just as much. So the things that we miss out on, the, the I love you's and the hugs and the um, feeling cared for and feeling cherished as a little child, the protection that every child needs, the, the words of affirmation, the nurturing, the feeling special, and the be, being valued. Um, a friend of mine, um, after she and her husband went through the counseling and they came home and they had uh, pretty grown children and I think their daughter was around 19 and it was a wonderful family. And she said to her daughter, uh, Honey, I just want to ask you a question. Do you feel cherished by me? And the girl said, Well, Mom, I know you love me. And she said, I know, honey, but that's not the question. Do you feel cherished by me? And this girl said, well, well, mom, I don't want to hurt you. She said, I know, but I need to know. Do you feel cherished by me? And this girl just broke down in sobs. No, mom. No, mom. I don't feel cherished by you. And it was the beginning of a new relationship between a mother and a daughter where the mother had done many things. I mean, of course she loved her, but this daughter, because of the pressure and the expectations that had been put on her and and always having to feeling like she had to measure up, she didn't feel cherished. And when we miss out on nurturing and affirmation and feeling wanted and special and cared for, there's a huge hole in a heart that needs to be filled up. And We meet people like this all the time, and there's always this longing for this emotional connection that they never got, whether it's with a parent or with a spouse or whoever. If it's a parent, that parent could be an alcoholic or or just a workaholic that never has time, and they're not present and attentive for that little child, and that child grows up with this big hole in their heart. And if you're talking to people after they've grown up and as adults, they'll say things like, Well, I know my dad did the best that he could. Um, You know, I've just tried to be different with my children. Um, You know, I understand why we were treated that way. I mean, that's the way their parents treated them. And, um, you know, I I understand that. And I'm just trying to be different. And, well, that's just how life was back then. And, you know what, all those things are true. But they're now being processed by an adult mind. And my adult mind can rationalize and justify and be logical and reasonable. But that does not take the pain out of my little girl's heart or my little boy's heart. And so many times, 
people have stuffed that pain so far down, they don't even recognize it. And they say, I don't have a problem, and I'm fine. But sometimes when we can get them into their emotions and ask the, those emotional questions, we lead them in a prayer, something like this. Jesus, if I could come just as a little girl or a little boy to my daddy, and he'd take me up on his lap, and I could look in his eyes, and he'd look back at me, and he'd listen to me, and he'd want to know what I'm thinking, and he says, I can say anything I want, and I won't get in trouble, and he wants to listen. Lord, what would my heart want to say to him? And many times right there, a person might get angry, or they might just break down and cry, because they start to feel the emotion and the pain of that little child and all the longings in their heart. And we hear things like, Dad, I'm doing the best that I can. Why can't you accept me? I'm too little to take your pain too. Why wasn't I ever enough for you, Dad? I just wanted you to love me. I just wanted you to know me. One woman said, Dad, you never ever knew me. It's like the deep pain of their heart comes out. And maybe they've never put words to that pain before. And they didn't realize how much it affected them. But their heart got honest. And in the midst of their pain, we help them to forgive their dad with their heart. And let go of their own bitterness. We know that we need to forgive for the bad things that happen. But sometimes we need to forgive for the good things we didn't get. And it's absolutely amazing to to see the healing that can come when someone wants to pray a prayer like this. Dad, I want to forgive you today. Jesus, help me to forgive my dad today for not knowing how to love me, for not knowing how to come close to my heart, for not hugging me, for not spending time with me, for not knowing who I really was. Those kind of prayers. It's very, very healing for a person to admit the truth and bring it to Jesus and let him speak peace into all that pain. And then we ask Jesus if he would come and if he would pour into that person's heart all the things that they missed out on. Sometimes people say, you know what, I'm just not going there. My past is my past. I'm not going there. That's not where I live now. All kinds of things. And the problem with that is many times they don't have any freedom in that. They're just walking uh, trying to forget that and stuffing it down. But when we can let go of the bad, we can remember the good. Sometimes if there's too much bad, it clouds all the good so that I don't want to remember anything and then I'm not able to remember the good also. A young woman came to see me and we spent the day together and she was so angry at her parents and she um, talked about her life and she shared and um, everything was bad. They've ruined my life, and I can't believe now they've gone and got help, and so they're on a honeymoon, and I'm left, you know, and just on and on and bitter. It just came out of her just at all the time, and she wasn't about to forgive, and so we just talked, and I cared about her, and I listened, and after several hours, um, we started to pray about some things, and I like to ask lots of emotional questions when I pray with someone. Jesus, do you see my heart? When my dad yells at me, how did that affect me? Were you there, Lord? 
Jesus, do you, did you hear him yelling at me? I'm like building a case in prayer for this person, helping her to see what's happening. When my dad was hurting me with his anger, Lord, how did that make your heart feel? Would you comfort me, Lord? There's so much pain in me. It's too much for me to carry. Could I give it to you? Would you take it from me? Could you give me the words, Lord? Put some words into my heart right now that would describe the pain I feel when my dad yells at me. And then as the words come out, well, I feel put down and accused and condemned and he silences me. And all this pain comes out of her heart at that moment. Jesus, could I give this pain to you? It's too much. And as she began to speak out her pain and the Lord begins to soften her heart. And it's always important to try to give up pain before you forgive. The heart is much softer after you give up pain. So I always try to help a person to empty out their heart. And that's what I was doing here. And then I was going to have to still build a case to help her to want to forgive. You can't ever pressure anybody to forgive. You can't make anybody forgive. Otherwise, it's just with the head and not with the heart. But after she got some healing, she was much more open to forgiveness. And so we continued to pray, Lord, I know I've been angry with my dad. All this anger, Lord, all the anger that's inside me, what's it doing to me? And then she answers, well, it's ripping me up. Well, if I could forgive my dad, Lord, and if I could give you all the anger, what would happen to me? And she says, well, I guess I'd feel a lot better. <laughs> so she's already seen the benefits of forgiveness, but she wasn't quite ready to forgive. So I'm helping her to get there. Would you help me, Lord? I can't, I can't forgive in my own strength. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I want to, and finally, I asked her, would you like to choose to forgive your dad? And she wanted to. And so she chose to forgive her dad for all the pain. And, um, and then because she's, gonna, she's a single gal that's going to go back home and live with her parents, and she's going right back into that situation, then I want to say things like next time that my dad yells at me or the next time I'm hurt by his anger, can I come to you, Jesus? Can I give you that pain? The next time I have a memory about this or that, will you help me with that? So I help her to see it's a process. I'm trying to give her practical tools to take home with her so that she can continue the process. In the days to come, Lord, when I'm hurting again, will you be there for me? Will you listen? And it was amazing. As we took these things to Jesus in prayer and she forgave her parents, her heart changed. And the minute, I was like, my mouth just went open. And she, so we were praying, and we say, amen. And she goes, oh, I got the best dad. I can't wait to go home and give him a hug. It's like when she was able to let go of the bad, she was able to hang on to the good. Her dad wasn't all bad, but the bad was clouding up her vision of him. So many times we ask in prayer, Jesus, when you created me, what were your intentions for me? Things have been robbed away by sin and circumstances of life. Children have to take on so much responsibility at, very, at a very early age. It's very hard on them, and they miss out on part of their childhood. 
Maybe they're working all the time or they're trying to keep things together in the home or they're taking care of their siblings. They're cooking, they're cleaning, they're trying to keep peace between mom and dad. All kinds of responsibilities that God never meant for them to have to carry. And inside, usually these kinds of people are very lonely and their hearts are crying out, what about me? What about me? Doesn't anybody care about me? No one asks them what they like, what, how they're feeling. One woman I've read with said, I took care of everyone else, and no one took care of me. By the time she was 10 years old, she was taking care of three siblings, cooking, cleaning, doing laundry, and being the responsible person in the family. Her dad was an alcoholic, and her mother was sick in bed most of the years. Um, and so she had to do all the work. She said, I never had a friend, and I didn't even know how to have fun. She said, the only friend I had was the girl in the mirror in my bedroom. That's the only one she could talk to. This little girl lost her identity. We were hearing about that yesterday and and today. And as we prayed, we asked Jesus, who am I? How do you see me? When you created me, Lord, were you happy? Jesus, am I important to you? Do you think I'm special? Would you be my friend? Jesus, what would you want my little girl's heart to know? Is there a word or a thought or a picture or maybe a song you want to sing to me that would help my heart to know that you care for me? And he put a song in her heart and he gave her a picture of her and him walking along in a field of flowers. And as they walked along in that field of flowers, she began unloading her burdens to Jesus. And he gave her a song What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. She was able to unburden her heart and she found Jesus wanted to, do you know that Jesus wants to be a friend to little girls and little boys? It's amazing how he wants to play with them sometimes when they've never gotten to play before. And he can come and swing on a swing or twirl them around or make them feel special and and cared about in a way that's never happened to them before. Sometimes people come for help and they are so overwhelmed. Everything in their life is a mess. They're totally confused. They say, "I, I have so much to deal with. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just a mess. And sometimes it really helps to say, maybe today... We could ask the Lord if there's just one thing that he wants to show you today. Just one thing that he might say to your heart. Or just one thing he might tell you that you could hang on to. It's amazing how even doing that with a person and saying, let's just ask him for one thing, can calm a heart, can take the pressure off of a heart. It lifts the expectations that I've got to do a whole bunch of things or that uh, I have to deal with all of this right now. It's simple. It's easier to focus. It's not so overwhelming. So just asking for one thing has been a great help to people that are very overwhelmed in their pain. Sometimes scripture can be helpful in prayer as long as we don't use it as a hammer. If scripture is ever used to pound, will cause more damage. It has to be used to encourage a person. And sometimes a person just can't get anything and they just 
don't know how to pray. And you might just pray for them and something like this. My heart's hurting today, and I want to talk to you, Lord, but about all the pain inside. Do you understand what I'm going through? The Bible says in Psalms that you're always thinking of me, Lord. That if I could count the times you think of me, that it would be more than the grains of sand. Would you help me, Lord, to take that in? Is that really true? I mean, do you really think about me that much? Well, maybe other people, but me? Am I one of those people you think about right now, Lord, as you're thinking about me? What do you want me to know? You've just taken a truth from the Bible and you've put it into a prayer to help that person understand God's love for them. Or you might say, you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah where he says, I have indelibly imprinted your picture on the palms of my hands. That's an awesome thought. But I don't want the person to know it up here. I want them to know it here. So it could sound something like, Jesus, I want to come to you today asking you to open up the eyes of my heart to see you. You say in the Bible that you've put my picture on your hands. What an awesome thought. Do I believe you love me that much? Does my heart really know that? What's going on in my heart right now, Lord? What keeps me from taking in your great love? Why do I doubt that so much? Show me, Lord. Is my picture on your hand? On, on your hand? Or maybe as a child. Lord, when I think about my childhood, my heart aches. Lord, you say that you love it when the little children come to you. Lord, I've, I've heard songs about you. I've read stories about you and the children. Am I one of those children? Could you give me a picture, Lord, of you and I together when I'm just a little child? And sometimes they can see themselves in that picture with Jesus. Sometimes they can't. Sometimes, oh no, I'm way over there. All the children are here with Jesus, but no, I'm over there. That's okay. Jesus, why am I over there? Why am I so far away? Why am I scared? Why can't I come? What's going on inside? Why am I hiding? Show me, Jesus, what's happening to me. It's just these simple conversations with Jesus that really help a person to get connected in their heart to Jesus. And then they can begin to talk about their pain and their feelings. And it's always wonderful to get word pictures. But you know what? Everybody doesn't. It's okay. Everybody doesn't. A couple came to Gary and I, and he was very upset that he was sure he was never get, he never gets pictures. It's just not true. And we just said, it doesn't matter. It's okay. Let's just see what Jesus wants to do. And when we finished praying, he just looked up and he said, you know, words are pictures. Jesus can sing songs. He can give us words. There's all kinds of ways he can talk to a heart. Sometimes it's just peace and it's quiet and it's calmness. And so don't put expectations on people that they have to do it a certain way or get a certain picture. It's just not true. That isn't the way that he works. Sometimes when people get into their deep, deep pain, um, there are many doubts and fears as they go along and questions haunt them and they're carrying false guilt and burdens and lies that affect how they think about themselves and Um, An example might be someone whose father left 
And um, this little boy thought that it must be his fault. And he told us, if, well, if my daddy really loved me, he wouldn't have left. And so in the depths of his heart was this question. And all his life he'd carried, was it my fault that he left? And so that day in prayer, we, he got brave enough to ask Jesus, was it my fault, Daddy? Did I do something wrong to make you leave? And Jesus said, no, 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 no. It wasn't your fault. And that lie that he believed and that doubts and fears, he could bring him to Jesus. And <clears throat> could my little boy's heart give that lie to you? It's too heavy for me, Jesus. Take it from me and all the pain of feeling unloved and abandoned and worthless and like he must be bad. And sometimes we give a place for people to have enough courage to ask questions that they've never asked Jesus before. And then we ask him if he will come and fill up those lonely places in our hearts on the things that we missed out on, on the hugs and the love and maybe a little girl. You know, every girl wants to be her daddy's princess. Every little girl wants to be special, to feel adored by her daddy. And when that doesn't happen, you know what? Jesus likes to make little girls a princess and to help them to feel special and adored. And we can ask him to come and and give the protection and the care that they never got. Several years ago, I was leading a woman in prayer, and I was trying to get her connected with Jesus, and she saw a picture of Jesus, and and she says... "Um, Yes, Jesus is standing right there, and his arms are like this to me. Uh, And I see me. Oh, yep, I'm the little girl over there. Nope, nope, I'm not coming to Jesus. Nope. And I got so scared inside, and I just thought, oh, Lord, what am I going to do now? And so I just went on, and I said, oh, but Jesus, I can trust you, can't I? And she just blurted out, no, no, I can't trust him. And I'm just crying inside all the time. Lord, help us. Come. Come. Because we don't know the answers. Jesus has to come. And she says, why did he let that happen to me when I was seven years old? I was just an innocent little girl. That kind of question will come all the time. Because the world is sinful. And someone sins against this little girl. Someone sinned against this little girl. And I just said, I don't know. Let's just ask him. Lord Jesus, when I was just seven and those, that man was doing those things to me, Why did that happen? And immediately, immediately she got the words free will. And so I went on praying. Lord, does that mean that I suffered because someone sinned against me? And she said, yes. And then we could ask Jesus, are you like that man? Or are you different? How are you different? And he began to tell her. She saw a picture and Jesus was over in the corner and he was crying for her. And she never saw that before. When people see how Jesus' heart feels about them, it changes everything inside. When he, he might cry for them, he might stand up and defend them, he might, um, cry, he might weep for them, he might be on his knees, he might be between them and that person that was hurting them. He, when they see God's heart for them, it's amazing. I prayed with a woman who had been a street person, who'd been on drugs and all kinds of stuff, and her heart had been hard, and she'd come to Jesus, and we were praying through this kind of an issue with someone that had hurt her and abused her, and no one in her life had ever protected her. And I asked that question, Jesus, when that man was doing those things to me, what did that, what did that do to your heart? 
And it was just dead silence. And all of a sudden she said, Jesus just punched him in the nose. And at first I was kind of like taken back, like is that good uh, doctrine? But you know what? When you read the Psalms, it is. You just go to David and (laughs) he wanted to crush the lion's jaws or something. And you know what? Jesus knew what her heart needed. And that day she turned in a way that she's never turned back from that day. She saw someone protect her and care about her and defend her and stand up for her in a way that no one had ever done before. And Jesus knows what our heart needs. He knows what each of our hearts need. And he can come in that way that it's personal. And it's an important concept that we understand that people get sinned against. And when you say that to a person and you say, Jesus, um, am I suffering because someone sinned against me? When you do that, you're validating their pain. You're sympathizing with them by saying that to them. And then uh, as you ask those questions, their heart can find healing by seeing Jesus' heart for them. And then that you can say, Jesus, I didn't know that you loved me so much. I didn't know that you cared about me so much. That you were right there, that you saw that you were weeping for me. And then that this little girl came and got in Jesus' lap because she found out that Jesus was different. That he wasn't like that man. And she began to pour out her heart to him. And she was able to forgive him. And um, her heart got healed that day. Another concept is um, allowing Jesus to do the work that needs to be done. I was praying with a woman who'd been terribly hurt and betrayed by another person. And she tried to forget. She tried to forgive. She tried to do the Christian thing. But she couldn't get free. And she'd built this wall of bitterness so high and so deep that the person who had betrayed her, they're long gone. They don't care. They don't understand. They have no idea what they've done to her. But this feeling and this anger and this hatred still has a power over her. And so we prayed about this. And we asked, Lord, in all this pain and all this agony, what did I do with my heart? And Jesus showed her a picture of a wall. And she said, he told me I buried my heart in that wall. And here was the wall on this side. She was in um, the middle and Jesus was on this side. And Jesus told her, if you want me to come, you're going to have to step back. You're going to have to allow me. You're going to have to ask me to come and touch your pain. So many times we're doing this. We don't want Jesus to touch our pain. We want to just leave it there and hope that it would not hurt too bad. But this woman said, okay. And she gave Jesus permission to come. And when he began to touch that wall of pain in her heart, I asked her, what's going on? She says, he's melting away that wall. And as he began to melt it, um, and because she allowed him to touch it, as he began to melt it, um, It was melting away shame and hurt and betrayal. And when it got all completely melted down, she saw her heart on the ground, hard and cold. And then we began to pray about her heart. Jesus, could you heal my heart? Could you bring life to it? Could you breathe your spirit into my hard, cold heart? Jesus needed her to touch his heart, her heart. Is the work all done? No. Is it a beginning? Yes. 
It's a new beginning of freedom. And as she feels pain, to allow Jesus to come and touch her heart and keep breathing life into her. The Lord knew right where she needed to go that day. He knew where her heart was. He knows where our hearts are. Aren't you glad that Jesus knows where we are? That when we feel weak or defeated or overwhelmed or ashamed or guilty, that he knows where we are? A woman I prayed with that had had an abortion some 30 plus years before that, her words are that when she did that, she said it was the last act of redemption of putting myself beyond redemption when I had that abortion. And that was the lie that she carried. And she wasn't a Christian then. And, and she carried that for 30 years. And then she did become a Christian. And she still had all this stuff inside of her. And as we began to pray, he told her that was a lie that her heart had believed, that she was never beyond redemption. That he wanted to give her hope back and to restore her. And he wants to comfort us. He wants to give back the things that have been stolen from us. He wants to heal us and restore us. And in closing, I would just like to pray a prayer for all of us. I want to, I'm just going to pray like I'm me. And if you want to put your name in there and just pray in your heart with me, um, I would just like to do that in closing. So let's just bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you that you know where I am right now. And you know what I'm struggling with. And you know the burdens that I carry. Do you understand me, Lord, all that's going on inside? Could I come to you right now? Could I roll my burdens over onto you? Jesus, if you were to draw me a picture of my heart right now and how it looks with all these burdens or this hurt or pain or fears or my doubts or my questions, Lord, what would my heart look like right now? What would happen, Lord, if I could bring all this to you? Jesus, you're the only one who knows just what I need. You're the God of hope. You're the God who heals. You're the God of comfort. Jesus, could you put hope in my heart today? Could you comfort me? Thank you for what you've already done for me. Thank you for finding me, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you're healing me and restoring me. And Jesus, in the days to come, would you show me anything you want me to see and continue to make my heart whole? And even now, Lord, is there something, is there just one thing that you'd want to say to my heart? If you were to say, my child, Remember this. What would you want me to know? I love you, Lord. Amen.